Hey, what's up, what's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of Bumper Sticker Faith. My name is Louis Dooley, and we got a special guest today. A special guest, none other than my brother, <laughs> Sam. <laughs> My special Ooh. brother Sam, what's up this morning? How you doing? I'm good. I'm a little tired though. Are you? Why are you so tired, man? I stayed up late watching this movie. Watching a movie like everything, everywhere, all at once. Wow, you saw this? Got my yeah. girl Michelle Yo in there, man. I love Michelle Yo. Yeah, I saw that last night. Went to bed like at midnight, and here we are at eight something this morning. <laughs> wow, that's a very like I I I went to see that this. movie and it was very different. Because I didn't know what it was going to be about. I just went because mm-hmm. Michelle Yeoh was in it. and mm-hmm. she, that, That's Evelyn in it, right? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah don't get me the line on here. Okay. No, I, keep going. Keep going. I think, I think it was. Yeah. But, um, you know, I love her from her uh, martial arts movies. Okay. And so I was anticipating, like, to see her with some swords and some some kicks and some yeah. some palm strikes and stuff like that. And it was it was very different. It was very different. It's a very different movie. But uh the guy who in it who did have the kicks and the he was defeating people with like his fanny pack. Man. That was uh what's his name? Short round from uh Yeah, from man, Indiana, Indiana Jones. Yeah. I didn't even know that when I was watching the movie. <laughs> and I didn't I didn't know it until I saw him win the Oscar. As soon as I saw his face and heard his voice, it was like, this is bringing me childhood flashbacks. I'm yeah, like, well, definitely the voice. For me, he was the, excited, and his voice Goonies. got high-pitched, and I was like, that's that dude. Yeah. And I was like, I had to pull my phone out. I'm like, it is that dude. Yeah. He sounded exactly the same. But I remembered him from Goonies more than I remember him from yeah, Indiana yeah. Jones. I had to look it up, and I was like, oh, that's right. That was that little yeah. dude in Indiana Jones. Data from Goonies. I love that character. Yeah, he was, it was a, a, a neat guy. A yeah. lot of stereotyping there, but uh, a pretty <laughs> pretty neat guy in those movies, well, man. Well, in this movie, his name was Waymond, I think. Mm. W-A-Y, which I don't know if they were trying to be funny with that. Like Raymond, but Waymond. Or maybe Waymond really is a name and I just betrayed something about myself. Oh, I mean, I've heard of somebody named Waymond before. Oh, okay. There's been a, yeah. So, so you texted me yesterday. Uh, we are going to, we had some time this morning before our guests arrived and, uh, to do an episode and you said, well, what about this movie? Uh, everything everywhere all at once. And I said, I hadn't even heard of it before. <laughs> it's like saying, wake up, man, wake up, smell the the coffee. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just, the thing for me that struck me was it won so many Oscars mm. and I was like, wow, like, I guess I need to go back and watch it again because yeah. it, it was unique. And I guess what captured my mind was its uniqueness, like mm. the, the whole plot. And, and everything that I really wasn't that caught up in the acting itself. Mm-hmm. But when I saw how many Oscars it won, it's like, man, that's that's worth talking about. But but not the actual movie. The title mm-hmm. is what really grabbed me because the first time I heard the title, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, mm-hmm. I thought it was a Christian movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because when I think about everything, everyone, mm-hmm. all at once, it's like, that's God. Yeah. That's his omnipresence. Like, God is everywhere. He's mm-hmm. all around at all times. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and then I learned about what the movie was, and I was like, wow, okay, that's not a Christian movie. So mm-hmm. that's why I just thought, man, let's talk about that because there's tons of people that saw the movie. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there was some great acting in it because yeah. there was like eight Oscars or something like huh. that given. I think maybe Yeah, I'm like wrong. I said, I didn't even know. And immediately after I got that text from you, I asked one of my coworkers, hey, have you seen this movie? Or her, I actually said, have you heard of this movie? He looked at me like I had four heads. <laughs> yeah. And he started to get emotional. And he said, very solemnly, he's like, that's 
my favorite movie of all time. I'm wow. like, whoa, what is it about this movie? And so then I tracked it down at the old red box. And, they uh, still got red boxes? Yeah, just for me. Oh, okay. Wow. You, you got a DVD player? Yeah. I thought people got rid of them things. No, I got it. <laughs> I got some VHS too. Oh, wow. Okay. You got some A-Tracks? <laughs> so $2 and like 35 cents later, I got the, uh, I had the option of buying it for three ninety nine. I could have done that. You should have bought a buck something more. I know. That's all right. Though. I tend to do that. You if know. you keep it and don't turn it in, they'll charge you like 25 bucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which uh, I got to return in a little bit here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what did you think of it? So I, yeah, I watched it and I had no idea what to expect. And immediately, like, and I was Im- immediately, like I was looking for stuff. Cause like, why did this get so many awards and that? Mm-hmm. But so it starts off with this like normal story of this, um, couple running this laundry business and uh, and then weird stuff starts to happen and so I guess I'm not going to try to recount the whole, <laughs> recount the whole movie but what it reminded me of was this chapter in GK Chesterton's book uh, Orthodoxy mm. one of the one of the classic Christian books chapter four I believe it's called elves and or, oh the ethics of Elfland. Let me see if I got G.K. Right. Chesterton. G.K. Chesterton. Yeah. G.K. I, I want like a cool name like with two initials. L.D.? Is that like a British? That's a British. Not yeah, a British, he was like British. an English thing. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like All C. those C. guys Lewis. got, yeah. yeah, the two like abbreviations yeah. and then a name. So G.K. Chesterton, The Ethics of Elfland. It reminded me of that. And like with, then with that chapter in mind, like watching the movie, I was like, this is a fairy tale. Mm. Like the whole movie seems like a fairy tale to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, because you have this movie where there's multiple universes, things happen like people get hot dogs for fingers, people can jump and fly and all this crazy kind of stuff can happen, right? Yeah. That normally doesn't happen. And you can, you have you yourself, but then there's an, I don't know if they said infinite, but there's a, a multiple other universes where you can be a different version of yourself. So there can be all these different Evelyn Wangs. I think that was her name. And, uh, and then they're interacting with each other. And I guess the gist of the movie is in the, as the movie starts, she's like the worst version of herself, which I thought was pretty funny Mm -hmm. because she tries a lot of things, but she fails at everything. Yeah. But in another realm in another universe, uh, a good successful Evelyn Wang branches off. <laughs> and so they had to find the very worst version of Evelyn to go and then be the hero for the, for the rest of it. And then to defeat uh, someone named Jobu, Jobu Tobaki, I think, which turns out is her daughter in one universe named Joy, right? So it's this just this magical world, right? Where anything can happen. Well, okay, so back to G.K. Chesterton in his book. He says that this, that the world of the fairies, the world of fairyland, is closer to reality than what scientists today, and he's writing in like 1900, I think, 1800s, 1908, maybe this book, uh, where the scientists came on and and they came up with all these laws for how things work and Basically, the universe, you picture like a clock that's wound up, right? And 
someone or something evolution. Maybe some people thought God, who knows, but wound this thing up, just left it go and everything just runs. Yeah. And like there's <laughs> Newton's law of gravity, apples just fall. Uh, all, there's all these laws that uh, scientists make to explain everything. And so then eventually, like the argument is, if you have all these scientific natural laws happening, then you don't need what? You don't need God anymore. And so you just leave God mm. and and the world just runs on its own. On its own. But Chesterton in his book it says, no, that's those aren't actual laws. Like the law of gravity isn't an actual law. It's just one fact followed by another fact that happens, okay? And he says there are like actual um, laws and they're, they're rational laws, things that, um, that like are, that have to happen. So like, like what goes up must come down. No, like that's, that's a, like, um, um, my mom is older than me. (laughs) Like, oh, like that, that has to, that has to be like, and in fairy tales, there are certain, certain laws that have to be. And in our world too, like, if the, if the miller has a son, then the miller has to be his father. It just has to be. You can't get around that. Or you could think of a, a square circle. You know, you can't think of that. Or if you have five apples, or if you have three apples and two apples, they have to be equal five apples. Like, there's no way around that. Mm-hmm. You cannot mentally conceive of anything else. He says, when you cannot mentally conceive of any other way, like with numbers or, or even with like morality, like if you have a bad character, like you cannot possibly imagine Hitler being good. You just can't do it. Or, or Stalin, or you can't do it. If you have a wicked witch, you can't. So he said, those are fixed laws. But he says in fairyland, like those have to be. But the things of, you know, quote unquote, the natural laws, they don't have to be. So like you, Lewis, you can imagine a tree uh, growing instead of apples, growing uh, golden candlesticks. You can imagine that. And in this movie, you can imagine a woman having hot dogs for fingers <laughs> because they imagine that in the movie. Mm-hmm. All right. Like, so that means that they're not actual laws if your imagination can think of it otherwise. And like, you may, need, people may need to just read the chapter over and over, or maybe listen to this over and over till you kind of get the feel for it because um, Chesterton is, he's, he's, he's pointing out that in, in fairy stories like that, where you have like, um, where you have quote unquote magical things happening, like Cinderella gets the, um, gets the mat, the coach and, and all that. But at midnight, everything turns back to normal. He's like, why does everything turn back to normal? Like we, we think that's magic. But then he asks, well, why did you? Why were you invited to the ball in the first place? Or why did it become? Um, uh, why did the pumpkin become a coach in the first place? Right? And he and he's saying in these fairy stories, when these weird things happen, we're able to notice them. So another instance, he's like, well, we would think it's a miracle or a magical thing if a river turned into wine. But why don't we see that uh, that a river flowing with water is just as much as a, of a miracle? Is it just because we've seen it over and over and over again? Mm. So does something become, uh, if something's repeated, does it become less magical? Mm. Or is it just still just one fact followed by another? 
And he says, suppose I saw a person like with a really long nose, like super long. And he says, just because I saw a one person, I that stand out to me. But let's say I saw 10 more people with it. Would it become any less unusual? Mm. And he's like, no, it's still, it's still pretty, pretty amazing. But yet an elephant has that nose. Why don't we see that, see, say that that's a miracle, that that's amazing. Um, so then in a movie like this, where you see all these like amazing things happen, like women with hot dogs for fingers or go, uh, people beating people with fanny packs, all these things, we can imagine them. But uh, for me, it it just reinforces the magic that we don't see in our own world. Because I'm not sure if I'm explaining this uh, the right way, uh, because our, our world is like filled with, and, and the world that the Bible presents is filled with magic too. Because why does like an apple fall down? And Chesterton and the Bible says, because God makes it fall down. God's delighted to make it fall down. He's, he's doing that. And he's always doing that. Why is it that um, when I uh, push a button, something happens? Why is it that when I eat something, well, you know, anything that you do, just because it's repeated doesn't mean that it's not miraculous or that God isn't behind it, but we don't see it. And, and we've kicked God out of that equation so that God isn't the one in charge. And so then we pretty much become hopeless. And then we get to the point where we have to make movies that break open our world into an infinite number of worlds just so we can see the magic of it and of our own world. I don't know if that... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of, I, I mean, it, the, it makes sense to me just in that what is the rudimentary or the normalcies of life, God is involved in, but since it happens so regularly, it's normal to us. Yeah. Or it's even um, expected of us. Mm-hmm. Like we expect there to be bodies of water, but if, you know, once a week, the all the, the seas dried up, that's right. And then in a month later, they all sprang forth. We being all. Yeah. <clears throat> kind of like old faithful. Yeah. People go see old faithful because they hear about this geyser that's gonna mm-hmm. erupt and they go and they wait, you know, minutes or even hours for this thing to explode, knowing that it's going to happen, mm-hmm. but it's gonna happen because God makes it mm-hmm. happen. And I guess he's been making it happen for who knows how long, but you know, it's it's in it's in it's like we know it's gonna happen. But yet we still want to see it because it's miraculous kind of in a sense. But then we make this this like philosophical step, this religious move where we say if it happens over and over and over, it's repeatable. Then somehow it's not uh, under God's control. It's not magical. Or it's not magical anymore. It's like that's that's not true. That's not the case. Like it still is. And so then he says, maybe we think that maybe we think that that is the case that we have to get rid of God. If something's repeatable like that, because we think of ourselves too much, because when we do an action over and over, eventually we get tired and we stop doing it. We do something else because we're dying. <laughs> we, you know, like, we, it, or it doesn't thrill us as much. A kid playing peekaboo with a kid at first, it's very thrilling to them. It's not thrilling to us anymore, but to them it is until they, it gets older and like Chesterton says, like 
when you read a story to a three-year-old, you can say, Tommy opened the door and the three-year-old's like totally excited about it. But by the time they're seven, eight, nine, you have to say, Tommy opened the door and a dragon came through, (laughs) you know, you have to introduce something else. But, but he says that God's like energy is not like ours. We get tired and have to stop doing it. But since God is eternal and has all life, all energy, he can keep, keep the sun coming up. He can keep gravity working like he's intimately involved in every single thing that happens and he doesn't grow tired of it. He doesn't grow weary of it because he's God. And like that makes me think of the verse in like Psalm 18, um, the 18 or 118, 118, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Like he is overflowing with joy to do these things every day. Like, Like did you wake up this morning and think it's a miracle that you have two legs. I mean, that's no less of a miracle than uh, if you woke up with wings. I woke up this morning and think it's a miracle. It really is. <clears throat> it's a miracle I didn't pee on myself because <laughs> I had to go to the bathroom so bad. I went outside this morning, you know, thinking about this, and I hear this. I hear this. I'm like, what is that knocking? And I look up in a tree, and there's a like this pretty little tiny woodpecker up in our tree, mm. and I'm like, that stupid bird is going to make that branch fall down. Mm. And, and then I started to think like, you don't see that that's, that's just like a fairy tale because you have this little tiny feather light bird, right? Who's going to make this huge tree fall down one day by bashing its head against it over and over again. And this little creature can fly in the air with nothing attached to it. And it comes from, a very fragile circular sphere called an egg that somehow the yolk turns into a bird. It's like, that's a stuff of fairy tales. Like if we were to read about that for the first time, then that's like the scene in the movie where the lady gets hot dogs for fingers, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, It's just as miraculous, but we don't see it. And Chesterton, he's saying, uh, science has turned those miracles Mm -hmm. that are all around us into these scientific laws. Mm. But he says, in reality, that it's just one fact followed by another fact. Mm. Like you let go of an apple, that's a fact. It falls, that's another fact. There's no necessary um, cause and effect between them. There might be a correlation, but one doesn't necessarily cause the other. God causes that. Mm. And that's, like I said, and, and that's unlike the logical necessities that we talked about, like three apples plus two apples equals five. Those have to happen like the Miller's father being older than the son, those have to happen. But dropping an apple doesn't happen. We could just as easily imagine if I let go of an apple, it flies off up in the air. We can just as easily imagine that. It's because those aren't really laws. Mm. And laws are things that can be broken. I mean, just think about legally. Laws are the things that can be broken. They don't, ca- they don't, they don't have to cause one another. Um, so... All that to say, um, we live in this enchanted world that's God's world, but we've gotten rid of God in our world, and so we don't see that anymore. And so then in that place, we've had to come up with these scientific laws where unnamed natural forces are in charge that nobody knows how it works, but they just do, and that's our world and it's a depressing world. And so now Hollywood, 
and our artists are, I think, starting to realize how, whether they realize it or not, how depressing of a world that is. This movie reminds me of Ecclesiastes. Mm. It totally does. Mm. Because Ecclesiastes is like, you know, we do all this stuff and then we die and <clears throat> life yeah. is meaningless. Yeah. And that's the tenor of the movie, basically. In, in a world that does not have God and yet everybody dies, it's like life is meaningless. And they say that and they say and they repeat that in the movie again and again. Yeah. Did you find yourself when you was watching the movie as you're talking about it as jogging my memory? Like I felt myself like rooting for her like to win. You know, yeah. because I felt yeah. sad that she had like the opposite of the Midas touch. <laughs> you know, everything she touched turned to like dust, you know, yeah. but I was rooting like there's something. And then at, at the end, like it felt good. Yeah. You know, like things came together. It like all worked themselves out. And so for me, as <clears throat> like obviously when you were watching the movie, you were thinking about talking about it on a podcast. Yeah. yeah. Whereas I was just watching the movie just mm -hmm. for enjoyment or ho hopefully to mm -hmm. have enjoyment. And so I found myself thinking a lot about like that relationship that she had with her family that was broken. Mm -hmm. You know, we can see the brokenness and then all like different scenarios of different types of brokenness and different types of obstacles that are in the way mm -hmm. to keep like love and uniformity and peace mm -hmm. from happening. And ultimately, it got to that. And so for me, I found myself rooting, like, being hopeful that it'll happen. But then it made me think, like, you know, isn't that a lot like all of our lives? Mm -hmm. You know, we have things that happen in our marriage that, that aren't working mm -hmm. well always. Things that aren't working well, maybe with our children always. Maybe it's, you know, coworkers or my boss at work or family members. Like, there's always seems like in these major categories in our life like things can sometimes be off or be all the way mm -hmm. broken and it it affects us in a way that is detrimental mm -hmm. to our well-being in some form of fashion but we have a desire for it to be fixed mm -hmm. and then we got an enemy mm -hmm. that's the devil that's yep. like the daughter that's always trying to like poke and pride at us mm -hmm. and like keep throwing monkey wrenches in things like if if things seem like they're getting well oh here comes a mm -hmm. grenade that's thrown in to blow things up, mm -hmm. you know, that, that just kind of came out of nowhere. So, you know, I thought it was, I, I want to watch it again because I admit like, as I'm getting older, I seem to find it difficult to stay awake mm -hmm. at movies all the time, especially <laughs> yeah. with these nice leather recliners and you recline <laughs> back and, you know, I'm like, I done like grazed on some popcorn and a cherry Coke, maybe yeah. some yeah. Twizzlers. And it's like, yeah. Man, I'm in hog heaven, and now it's time for a nap. But, but I, those are some things I remember about the movie um, that, to me, depicted what real life looks like for all of us, mm -hmm. Christians or non-Christians. Yeah. Like things, the enemy's trying to get us, and there's things that that we're messing up, and mm -hmm. things that other people in our lives are messing up, mm -hmm. and we got to all coexist. Yeah. And the hope is that we can all have peace. Yeah, that's interesting that you say that because. Like those are like the the real laws that Chesterton would be talking about. Like when you watch a movie like that, you see those family dynamics. You feel that broken brokenness. You automatically root for one character and against another character. Mm -hmm. Like you can't avoid that. He says that's the real stuff, mm -hmm. you know. And all the other stuff is just 
that's not real laws, right? Yeah. And and like even within the movie, like they're totally contradicting themselves because they're saying things like, "Oh, nothing matters. You have to make your own meaning." And it's like, no, things still do matter because they obviously matter to you. You know, as a as a character, you're. You, you you want to find meaning. There are things that matter. And as yeah. a viewer, you do see that there are things that matter. There is like a, 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 a hierarchy or there is a, uh, there is like a law that determines things. Yeah. Right? I, I think that, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like for me nowadays, the culture is saying like there's things that matter. But they may matter to you. They don't matter to me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to buck the norm and I'm going to create things for me that matter. Mm-hmm. And that can play itself out in numerous ways. Like yeah. me wanting to like be recognized by a different pronoun or me mm-hmm. wanting to change my gender in some mm-hmm. form or fashion or me wanting to like not work a corporate job mm-hmm. or work another job. Like, you know, like all the things that society would maybe say is successful that matters. Like that doesn't have to matter to mm-hmm. me. Like I can change that paradigm in my life and create my own utopia, if you mm-hmm. will, of here's the things that matters to me. And it's different than what matters to you. And I have just as much a right to live in this mm-hmm. world I created for myself and you can live in your mm-hmm. own world. And so you, you have your defined right. I have mine and now we just got to figure out how to coexist mm. with one another. And the movie has had has something in there about that with uh, Joy in one of the universes was attracted to other women. She was a lesbian. And they had a, a scene where they said, where Evelyn says, I would only do the right thing for her, for you. And then Joy says, well, quote unquote, right is a tiny box invented by people who are afraid. So doing the right thing is just a tiny box by those uh, who, who are um, afraid. Who are afraid, and so, and that's a slap against religion or morality because the only reason you believe in right and wrong is because you're afraid. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. I, I, I again, mean, she's totally contradicting right. herself. The whole movie contradicts that. But, but then Joy says, because there's this thing about the bagel. Okay. And notice a bagel is circle. That's different than the box. The box is square. It's rigid. Mm-hmm. You keep things in it. But the bagel is round. And the bagel becomes this image that we, that we can talk about. But she says, the bagel will show you everything. And you'll be freed from that box. Mm-hmm. So in the movie, the bagel is... And it's it's kind of funny. It's hilarious, actually, because you can get an everything bagel. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. a bagel with yeah, everything on yeah. it. And that's kind of a play on the movie. Mm-hmm. Everything, everywhere, all at once. But the bagel is a circle, right? And circles are, I mean, this, the, that's the thing. Like the movie, these are these like, law, these real laws that Chesterton's pointing out that we have to depend on and you can't avoid. Like the circle. Why do they use a circle to represent, um, uh, to represent everything, basically? It's because a circle symbolically from fairy tales, from the Bible, it's round. Again, it's back to Ecclesiastes where, and we had an episode about this where the, it says the wind goes round and around and around back to where it comes. You know, this is circle of life. So the circle represents death, basically. Like you have life, but then you die around and around and around 
forever. That's what's a circle. And then they have the image of the washing machine too, right? Mm, All yeah. the circles and the laundry goes around yeah, and yep. around and around. So the movie's really playing on that, saying that everything dies, basically. Everything dies. But the thing about the circle, though, yeah, it's infinite. You can go around and around and around and die. But that's also how things are reborn. Mm. And that's like, those are cycles, right? And um, anytime you think of a cycle, uh, you think of life, death, and rebirth, right? So it can be a hopeful thing too, but they chose to make it a very, to emphasize the negative part of it um, and to show how it leads to death. But like the the whole, now we're <laughs> getting into some territory, but the whole circle image, that also um, death and circle and eternity, that's also the female image, the feminine image. And you only have to think of the menstrual, the menstrual cycle, because cycle is something that goes around and around and around. And even within a female's menstrual cycle, blood is shed, like there's a death. But then, and also because that happens, there's a mm. capacity for life, mm -hmm. right? Life yep. comes out of that. Yep. So that's just a circle of life right there. And so it just made me, it just made me wonder why this need of the movie, and I still have to think about it. It's only been a few hours, but why the movie really needed to emphasize the feminine so much, right? And they even put the feminine symbol of the circle on the head, right? Mm -hmm. So like everyone submits to that. That's like king now. Mm. And maybe it's a statement against a square patriarchy, you know, against men. Maybe that's it. Men have screwed everything up. And now it's up to women in the circle to bow and submit to that, to break all the rules. Like all these universes break all the rules, do whatever you want. Maybe now it's the feminine time. You know, I don't know. But it's, it's definitely saying something. Uh, about where our culture's at mm -hmm. and what it's going after and what it needs and um yeah more to more to think about yeah it's um, um it's again i want to watch it again yeah. because i know that there's more depth to it than what i you know what i got because of one it, it was hard for me to get into because i was waiting to see some fighting and it wasn't and then i kept those and so with those two things it was just like hard to get into it but I think it's worth watching to kind of get a glimpse of what our culture where it's going I mean we know where it's going and this movie depicts it and I think that's why I won so many awards yeah. I wanted to uh, get into some more uh, quotes that I jotted down. Uh, maybe there's no rhyme, no reason to some of these, but just in order of, of the movie. Um, um, Evelyn says, um, right at the beginning, she says, when you put everything on a bagel, then nothing matters. And if nothing matters, then all the pain and all the guilt you feel for making nothing of your life goes away. And like... That was a line where I could envision people watching this, like a, one of my coworkers, and may, maybe that—that's the line that would get to you. So, something to deal with your guilt, you know. You—you you just put everything on a bagel, and, and you realize that, hey, everything I do goes away, you know, just like Ecclesiastes. If I live a great life, have all this success, 
I just die anyway. So what does it matter? And so then you can, I can find myself thinking that, well, you know, I screwed up my life in all these ways. I didn't make the most of it, but Hey, we die anyways. So Mm. what does it matter? That kind of atones for the guilt that I feel. So when in a world where you kick God out and there is no forgiveness, atonement, there is not that it's a reunion of yourself with God, then this is what you're left with. You have to deal with life and you might as well just put it on a bagel and feel feel better about yourself. Yeah, right? what I think about when you read that was like the lack of purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, like by everything on the bagel is like the things I've done in life. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, what is? It's really nothing. Whether it's success or whether it's working at a pizza place, delivering pizza, living in my mother's basement. Mm-hmm. Like either one of those, what all does it really matter? Mm-hmm. You know, because I, I really have no purpose. And mm-hmm. so I think a lot of people are seeking for purpose in our culture these days. And that's why they're they're having to reinvent things because it's different. It's like you said um, with Chesterton or in the fairy tales. It's like everything has become so rudimentary. We're tired of living in a, in a world, in a life that's just you get up, you put your pants on, mm-hmm. you brush your teeth, you eat some breakfast, mm-hmm. you're out the door to work. You come from work, you eat dinner, you watch some on TV, you go to sleep, and you wake up and do it all over the next day. That's like, a cycle. That's like a bagel. People are tired of that, yep. you know. And yep. it's like, well, what can I do to mix things mm-hmm. up? Well, now I have to create something different, mm-hmm. you know. And maybe it's being being totally different than the way I was born, yeah. you know, genetically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's like stopping doing it. It's like a midlife crisis almost, but yeah. you don't have to be at a midlife yeah. to have the crisis. And it's just opening that door for people to say, hey, you know what? I don't have to be in the box Mm -hmm. anymore. I can be out of the box Mm -hmm. and I can be the bagel. I can be circular where things can move differently Mm -hmm. in a different way, at a different pace. Mm -hmm. And guess what? I create the way. I create the pace. Mm -hmm. So I have all the power and control over my life to do what I want to do, which all of this is void of God. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, what you're creating it's still going to lack purpose. It'll seem yeah. fresh and new yeah, yeah, yeah. because it is fresh and it is new. And the movie goes there. But yep. at the end of the day, if I choose to, to have a sex change or I just choose to like dress differently, mm-hmm. like at some point, like that's going to become mm-hmm. my norm. Mm-hmm. Thus the fairy tale ends. Mm-hmm. And now I'm back to square one again. So we need to realize that we are in a fairy tale though. Like our life is magical, wonderful. Like, your life is a fairy tale. You like you don't have to change anything. And like when you wake up in the morning, I I I want people and I want myself as convicting for me too to get up thinking, "Oh, God did it again. He gave me two legs. He 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 kept my heart beating at night. He's doing that, pumping the blood. He gave me dreams which sometimes are weird, and he's provided this food and he's with me." And we're, and we're doing this. This is a miracle. And the way I look, the gender I have, it's all just a unique, special miracle that God gave specially to me. And it's a miracle. And, and it's not caused by just uh, one. It's not caused by evolution or like some unnamed natural cause. Those are just, but God has done this miracle. This is all a walking miracle uh, every day. And that's where we need to get to. And that's the picture of the Bible. And 
and it's causing me to think of like even Jesus's miracles in a different way, because are they really miracles? It's like everything's a miracle, but then one day Jesus just decides to walk on water, right? And it's like, yeah, he did that. And none of it was a miracle to him. No, <laughs> right? like, like him drowning, <laughs> him sinking in the water is just as much as a miraculous thing as him walking on it because he is the author and the sustainer of everything. He's, he's the author of this story. Mm-hmm. And if he runs, wants to write it this way one second and this way another second, he can do that. And like that makes sense to me like when um, then Peter says, you know, I want to walk on the water too. And then, oh no, the other story when it was just um, the disciples in the boat, right? And the storm came mm-hmm. and they go and they wake Jesus up. And what does Jesus say to them? He says, why do you lack, why do you have such little faith? And then he rebukes the storm. And like, what is Jesus getting at there? Um, For me, it's saying that Jesus is waking up and saying, why do you have such little faith? Jesus is saying, why didn't you just do that? Like, Mm. you could have done that too. All I did was, you could have done what I did. All I did was get up and have faith in God and rebuke this thing. Like, Mm. that's, that's, that's a miracle that you can do too. Right, it's um, yeah. I, don't, I I would say to me the miracle would be that they would have had the faith in Jesus that the storm could have killed them and that would be okay because mm-hmm. they were with Jesus and their eternity was in heaven. Mm-hmm. So because we're all gonna die anyway. So I yeah I don't yeah, yeah I, I I think that the the you know you lack faith like as many reasons why Jesus said that but the main reason was because they didn't have faith that they were going to be okay despite the storm. And God gave them, <clears throat> and they can give they, them faith. They looked at the storm instead of looking at Jesus. Yeah. If they would have kept their eyes on Jesus, yeah. that didn't mean the storm wasn't real. Mm-hmm. But if he could be there at peace in the storm, I can be at peace in the storm mm-hmm. and not even worry about it, even though it killed me. And that is a miracle. <clears throat> like Job yep. said, though he slay me, yep. yet I will trust him. Yep. Um, <clears throat> Evelyn says, I'm not good at anything. Um, and that's something else that I think a, that touches a cultural nerve too. Like you said, people just feeling, uh, feeling, feeling pointless. Mm-hmm. Um, she says, I think of, I can think of any nonsense that I want and somewhere out there it exists. Um, that's the, that's mm. the, the worlds that they're, that they're longing for. Um, and that's then, sad to me. Yeah. And then Joy says, uh, you you can see that everything is just a random arrangement of particles. Okay, that's the line that she says. Everything's just a random arrangement of particles and can be arranged anyway in any way. And well, to me, that's the that's the line that makes me think I can change my life. Mm. Yeah, I can exactly. change anything and be anything that I want to be, whether it be because everything's just random sex, right if now. If I want to be a mm-hmm. rabbit, if I mm-hmm. want to be a duck, if I mm-hmm. want to be a horse. I literally have the power to control who I am, what I am, and what I do, and where I'm going to be. Because to say it's random means the way things are does not have a purpose. Correct. Correct. And that's getting outside the realm of there is a God Mm -hmm. and there is a purpose. Mm -hmm. And people don't want that. So that's that's why that movie speaks so much to this Mm -hmm. culture because it's it's pulling so far away from God Mm -hmm. That is, they're creating their own gods. Mm-hmm. People are, in a sense, becoming their own god. Because we can't not have a god. That's the thing that it, it kind of betrays about us. Like, we want to have a god. 
we were because God um, made us like Pascal said with this God shaped hole in our mm-hmm. lives, and we need to fill it with something. Mm-hmm. Or Augustine, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in God. Mm-hmm. Like we have to have a God, and so when our culturally we just totally kick God out, eventually we're going to start making something God. We're going to try to find a purpose because mm-hmm. we can't live without a purpose. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's like right. one of those laws. We can't live without it. And I think you're exactly right, though. And then when she said everything's just random particles, therefore I could do whatever I want, people are using that as a as that justification to do that. Yeah, and that's I think that's speaking to people. You know, I yeah. think that's that's powerful when you have no purpose mm-hmm. and you're living a what you would call a mundane life with very little direction. That's your own direction, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people probably are following a direction that's a, or a course that someone else has set for them or they've set it for themselves based on what they've been taught. Mm-hmm. And so many people want to get away from that and saying, there's no defined right. You know, I can create my own course in life and it can look like this. And people have been doing that for years, mm-hmm. by the way. This isn't nothing new. But in terms of it being so prevalent, to mm-hmm. me it's new. And that's where social media has been the driving force of it. You know, and laws are starting to change mm-hmm. to make it more... um uh, acceptable amongst people, and 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 that's why it's dividing, you know, our country, you know, so much because you have people that are still holding on to the promises of God, if you mm-hmm. will, and then you have the people that are creating their own world that they live in, and now when we have to coexist together, mm-hmm. um, and we rub mm-hmm. one another the wrong way because I don't have to live your life, but I can coexist with coexist with you. But like for me, for instance, like oftentimes when I'm address people, like I might say, you know, ma'am or sir. Mm-hmm. And I've actually had that happen to me before when I was at an airport, like dropping my luggage off. And there was clearly a guy that was dressed like a woman. And I was like, well, what do I say? I mean, I guess the right answer is if if they're if, if a person is dressed in a certain gender, they want to be addressed as that gender. Mm-hmm. But it's just like. You know, it just blows my mind that, you know, what I've been doing my whole life, like I'm having to change because I don't want to offend anyone. I do want to coexist. But then it's like, well, if I'm if I'm coexisting and not offending, am I capitulating to what I believe the truth of how things should be? You know, so I, should I take all those opportunities to to share the gospel with this person who probably obviously could care less about mm-hmm. it? Um, or do I just, yeah, it's, it's making it difficult for me to figure out how I can be Christ-like as I live in this world where people are so outwardly against what I believe and people's feelings get hurt mm-hmm. so easily. People are so vehement towards letting you know when you have crossed this line that they've drawn. Like mm-hmm. if I say, yes, sir. Even if the person is dressed like a man and they get upset with me because they didn't want me to call them sir because I'm gender profiling them now based mm-hmm. on looks or whatever. And it's like, man, I just I'm they don't see it as a sign of respect. Like that's what I'm mm-hmm. doing it as a sign of respect. But you're seeing it as I'm probably some conservative Christian person who wants to see everybody based on how they look and determine their sexuality for them. Put them in a box. Yeah, and yeah. it's like that ain't yeah. that's the farthest thing from the truth is yeah. why I'm calling you sir, or yeah. calling you ma'am, 
But now I got to deal with that because now people are like, rah, rah, rah in your face and want to argue and fight about it. And it's just like, mm-hmm. man, it's crazy. And, and then for me, I got to keep myself personally under control because mm-hmm. like when I'm being like when I'm showing respect, I'm being vulnerable mm-hmm. because that's not the normal thing for me. That's not my default. But then when you don't accept my respect and as you accept it as disrespect, then it made me want to fight for real. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, you want to ride, 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 like, let's dance then. Mm-hmm. You know, so then it's like, man, yeah. I, I don't even want to leave out the house. Mm. So this movie creating, uh, m- like, all these all these infinite number of worlds in that, in one sense, when it, when, like, you as a viewer look at it and you say, oh, wow, anything is is possible and everything we another quote, everything we do gets washed away in the sea of every other possibility because there's an infinite number of possibilities out there. Again, to be whatever you want to be. If it paints a picture of that many possibilities, then by the time you leave, you're probably thinking, well, I guess then maybe it's not a very big deal if I make this one little change in my life, if I want to be another gender or if I want to do this thing or that thing like that's not such a big deal because the movie painted a picture of where anything is possible right if in an extreme way in a very you know, extreme it, it, you know, way in a, in a non-extreme way it could be man i'm gonna put two packs of sugar in my coffee instead of one this morning yeah you know like that's different yeah for some people but the other person is i'm gonna dress like a woman today mm-hmm. And I think, (laughs) you know, so like those are both. But I think that part of you talk about the gospel, part of the gospel then for us in sharing with people is to maybe we just need to start back, you know, at the first step. You think of the steps of maybe sharing the gospel and what, what points you need to hit. But part of the foundational part about the gospel is we live in a world where you're made in the image of God and you have. And he has given you great dignity and worth, and he's given you a purpose and a place, and he controls everything in this world, and nothing is is random, and he is intimately involved in your life, and he made you just exactly what he dreamed of you to be, and you're that. You know, and you're gonna get smacked. Starting. <sighs> Starting there, but that's part of the gospel. That's part oh, of the. Oh, I know it is. That's the they don't want good to hear that. news. It ain't good news for them. I think it is. No, it's not. They've already decided that yeah. they create their own world. The world you talk about exists already, and yeah. a lot of people know that world, and they don't want to be no part of that. They world. don't want to be themselves. See, this is the this is no, the part they, that no, they no, want to create a new self. I know that because they don't want to be themselves. They don't accept themselves, and so then there's this. Okay, so then someone says says to me, why don't you just, they make this choice, why don't you just accept me the way I am, you know, and they're wanting to be this. And I'm like, why don't you, why don't you go first? But they're saying Accept that they, yourself but people, first. People are saying that they were assigned a self at birth and they've never had the opportunity to choose the self they want to be. That doesn't have anything to do with it. It doesn't? No. Hmm. You're not accepting yourself. Like, I'm five foot five. Right, like I could think yeah, that but, I'm something but you're else. Talking about a stuff, but you're talking about something that you can't change. I'm talking about. I just that's got right. Through, I just got through watching this pride. That's right. But you can, in a in a in a sense, physically, you definitely can. Like your DNA and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you can't change. But I'm just saying, I went. I just went through 
like five hours of pride training mm -hmm. from the Department of Child and Family Services for the state of Illinois, DCFS, <laughs> because we're trying to, it's, it's like an adoption fostering thing, but you have to learn this stuff. And I got to watch hours of video of literal people mm -hmm. who are living these different lifestyles and their gripe mm -hmm. is they were assigned who they were mm -hmm. from birth mm -hmm. and they didn't have the opportunity to choose what they mm -hmm. wanted to be. So in other words, who who decides what maleness is? Who decides what femaleness is? Who decides what gender? I remember saying this is the stuff I'm yeah, repeating. No, but and I'm just like, yeah, like we know that God designed them to be a certain way. I'm saying they're, they're saying mm -hmm. no. God didn't design them to be that way. They gave them the the sexual parts that mm -hmm. they have, but you can choose what you want to be, mm -hmm. which means a person that's born a man can choose to be yeah, a man I, or choose to be a woman. Yeah. So, but, but being isn't determined by our. It's it's never determined by you. It's never determined by you. Like this is a question of what is called ontology. So like when. When when I give I, okay, two different examples. I can I can make a, a cup out of ceramic. That cup is different than me because it's a creation. It, it's of a different substance. It's a di of a different being. It's it's not me. But or I could give birth, or my wife could give birth to a child. That child, my son, is of the same substance of me. It's it's a child. It's a human being, right? It is what it is, and it didn't determine that. It didn't, it doesn't have any choice and, you know, apologize to that child. Sorry, child, you didn't have a choice to be a child or a, or a rock or whatever, but like you didn't like that. We just have to accept that fact. Yeah. But like, I'm just telling you, everything, people are saying, they I know, didn't have but a that's, choice to choose. but everything's not a bagel. There are boxes in life. There are bagels and boxes and we need, we need to learn to um, accept the box that we're born into and born with our life circumstances. And then that's the only way that, that maybe that's the launching pad because in the movie they talk about, you have to do these, these random, like very mundane things in order to launch to another universe. Like the one guy, Wayman had to give himself a paper cut or you have to, um, um, set, tell someone you love them or you have to do, do these random mundane things in order to make a jump to another self and maybe that actually is a good metaphor that you need to accept your, your humanness, who you are, your five foot fiveness, your fallenness, just how you are, accept that part about yourself. And only when you do that, accept your boxness, can you then be launched further. But until you do, you're just, I don't know, you're not living in reality. You're not living, you're not. Oh, yeah. and, and like, and that's I, where Ecclesiastes, that's where Ecclesiastes goes. He's like, we die. Okay. And only until you accept that. And, and then Solomon. Okay. So at the beginning he tries everything. Like I wanted to find the meaning of life. So I tried sex and uh, riches and power. I had, I'd had everything, but nothing satisfies. And then he started to meditate on everything dies. Like everything's on the bagel. Right. No matter what I do, it goes away. And he says, it wasn't until. I realized that uh, everything does die. And then God had to give me the power, he says, to enjoy life. And once I let go of all those things and making those the purpose 
And when I made God the purpose and when I accepted my mortal situation, then God gave me the power to enjoy food and drink and these, these basic things. And like what, what, what I'm saying, what the Bible says is that the way up is you got to go down first. You got to accept who you are in order to change, in order to have purpose, in order to have meaning. And the movie even gets there by the end. So that's why I said it's a little like the, it speaks out of both sides of its mouth because it goes through all these fantastical worlds and realms and ideas. But in the end, um, it, it ends up by saying, the, like the conclusion is, well, I, Evelyn, just need to learn to love my family just how they are. <laughs> you know, that's it. Yeah, I mean, by the end they get there. Circle, the whole circle, just to, circle, get to that. just to get to the fact that, and they land right back in the box, so to speak. But they don't want to admit that, and they land right, right in the place where you need to learn to accept your life situation, and love those around you just how they are. And that's it. And and the Bible says that all along. That's what it says. Accept where God has placed you, who you are, how He's made you. And learn how to love there, and then that's where you get the meaning and purpose. That's your calling right there. You don't need to make all these fantastical <laughs> things. And, and then, yeah, so that's my uh, <laughs> that's my An interesting movie. My rant. If any of you guys listening have not seen it, maybe you want to take a gander at it and see what it what it's all oh, about. There's another thing and I come up to, with your conclusions. There's another part that I wanted to. They have this uh, scene where uh, they're rocks. I don't know if you remember that. They're like, they end up changing into two rocks on a, on a cliff. Evelyn and Joy, which they're still talking. I mean, they're still communicating. They're still using words in that. Uh, but the conclusion is like, be a rock. And one says, I feel so stupid. Small, stupid humans. That's who we are. And like, that's, there's a lot of truth to that. That's where you do have to get. That's where you do have to get. That's that humble yourself. Mm -hmm. Humble yourself, right? That's the opposite of pride. And so that's that's very good, I think. But then they add on this. For most of our history, we knew that the earth was a center of the universe. We killed and tortured people for saying otherwise. So right there, they're mocking like the, the earth-centric view of the universe, where in the medieval times, they thought that the earth was the center of everything. and But now we know different. And they're making fun of that. Um, and they said, until we realize that the earth is revolving around the sun, which is just one of uh, many other suns, and look at us now, trying to deal with the fact that, uh, all, that all of this exists and we're just one universe inside of who knows how many universes. But I just want to say that that's an improper view of the way the medievals thought, that the medievals didn't have the earth as a center of the universe because they thought that they were the special, the center of everything. That's the way we think today. But in their view, the center was the lowest point of the universe and it was the most humble place of the universe. Because, um, because in their cosmology, uh, God was on the very outer ring. So you picture uh, like Russian nesting dolls where you have the tiny doll surrounded by the other dolls all the way out. Well, picture concentric circles like that, and God is on the very outside one, and then you have nine or so that go in, and in the very center you have the earth. The earth then is the farthest away from God, and that was 
their way of saying we are the in, in the humblest position, the farthest away from God, the most in need of him, and we're humbling ourselves there. That's why they were saying that. And so the medievals are basically saying, concluding just like the movie was concluding, that we're to uh, to be a small, small, stupid rock. So see if there's any other questions. Uh, Quotes here that grab my attention. I, know I think I like that part because um, it shows how small we are. I mean, we're really small and insignificant, you know, compared to God and his greatness. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good that's a, that's a good. Um, good reminder and truth. And they say we're just a, a statistical inevitability. We're nothing special. <laughs> You know, like compared to God, like you said, we are um, not as special as him. Um, let me see if there's anything else. Yeah, no, I think we basically covered it. Um, they summarize at the end by saying these phrases um, again at the end. They say we can do whatever we want uh, and nothing matters. So based on, I don't know, what would you what would you say to that that we can do whatever we want and nothing matters based I would say on that's a lie that Satan wants us to believe you know we can do whatever we want and nothing matters like what, are the, recipe, what are the consequences that's a that? recipe for hell <laughs> you know yeah. and that's what man wants to do they want to do what they want to do when they want to do it how they want to do it and and God gives us the ability to do that mm-hmm. if we want to mm-hmm. and so that's a a messed up message to end mm-hmm. with at the end of the movie you know like it feels like it it takes you on a roller coaster ride of emotions mm-hmm. and it drops you off with no hope yeah. and feeling insignificant and just saying what does it matter mm-hmm. you know why don't just just do the craziest yeah. things i've ever thought about before yeah. cuz what does it really matter mm-hmm. you know and probably nobody wants to go to prison mm-hmm. you know <laughs> so it's like i'm on a suicide mission mm-hmm. or i'm just going to go mm-hmm sell all my stuff and move to another country. I don't know. I mean, I mean, if I thought like that, man, the extreme things I would do would be crazy. Yeah. And I see people doing extreme yeah. things, you know, and it's, it's sad. And so to me, to know that we live in this world where people are thinking like that and, and making the, taking this necessary steps to live like that, you know, and those people are around us, like we mm-hmm. need to love on, yeah. you know, I think that the, my, my recipe for how do I deal with them is love, mm-hmm. you know, is, is establishing a rapport with them where I can listen to them. I can um, sympathize with mm-hmm. them about the things in their life. And I can share with them mm-hmm. my life as they share things about their life. Mm-hmm. And hopefully in the things I'm sharing in my life will cause them to not only question me as to why I'm doing what I'm doing, but maybe to make them start to question themselves mm-hmm. and why they're doing what they're doing. Because, you know, direct uh, the direct approach works, mm-hmm. but it don't work for everybody in every situation. There's a line that in the movie that summarizes kind of that, and maybe it's a good posture for us, where I think it was Joy who says, I was just looking for someone who could see what I see and feel what I feel. Mm. That's a good definition of love or, or empathy. Mm-hmm. Someone to, and you can think about that in, in our own relationships, looking for someone who could see what I see and feel what I feel. Yep. And as we seek to love our world, that's a, that's a, 
It's a good attitude. Yeah, and I think a lot of people have. making these big changes, they want to be understood. Mm -hmm. They want to be able to share what they think mm -hmm. without any judgment, without anybody offering any pushback, offering any suggestions on how to do things differently, offering what's right and what's wrong. But just, just to listen, mm -hmm. to be a big ear. Be a big ear and just listen. Mm -hmm. And then there'll be a time where they want you to be a mouth mm -hmm. and speak. We need purpose, though. Like, that's, we need the box and the bagel. And I think that's, again, where we go astray when we're, where we think that pur our purpose and meaning can be found by having no purpose and meaning. Like, that makes no sense at all. Like, that's it, not logical. Um, you need, you need a, a structure and a, and a purpose. You need, you need boundaries. Yeah, you well, need, I think you'd you be need the, the box too. I think you'd be the bagel in the box. Yeah, you don't box be the bagels. bagel outside the box. You're well, in like, the box. and I say this because Victor Frankl, in his book *Man's Search for Meaning*, he was a psych psychiatrist who was in concentration camps, and he observed being a psychiatrist in that setting, where he was, you know, one of the one of the people uh, in prison. He 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 was careful to observe the guys who would give up and commit suicide versus one who didn't. And he saw like the connection. He's like, if, if a guy had no, nothing to live for outside of the concentration camps, like no family, no job, no nothing to go to. Yeah. Why, he, why stay alive? He would commit suicide. But the ones who did have a purpose and meaning outside and some shred of hope, they would persevere mm -hmm. through horrendous things. Mm-hmm. Because they had a purpose. They had a point. They had a box. Yeah, you need a will to live. Yeah. And they didn't have a will or desire. So but they had that they sense. had that box. They had a point, mm -hmm. right? A point is is a point. It's just one very narrow thing and it points to something bigger than you. And you need that. And uh as much as we need to recognize the bagel, we need to recognize the point of the box and Amen. purpose as well. That's a good that's a good closing statement. That's a good one there. So yes, thank sir. you guys for, for joining with us. A little bit different um, episode today. But, um, man, that movie, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, um, check it out. Um, see if you can see any any things there that um, maybe can help you even have a conversation, be a great conversation starter. But say, hey, man, have you seen that movie? Oh, yeah, I've seen it. What would you think? What kind of impression did it give you? Did you and, know our world is just as magical? Yeah. <laughs> it is fairy tales all right y'all man have a good week um and we'll check you out next time on bs faith and don't go stepping in no, no bs peace